got a fun one in store today. Episode 50. Climbing on up there, man. 50 episodes in. Again, appreciate everybody. Uh, T-shirts, I've shipped them all out or delivered them. I think it's a few more that I got to get off. In all, I done done about 80 shirts. So again, I'm, I'm very appreciative, thankful for everybody that supports and the whole goal, again, is just try to grow the podcast. So as long as you're wearing the shirt, I'm satisfied. It's not about trying to profit or make no money or nothing like that. Just trying to grow the podcast. So got a special guest in the building. Well, he ain't in the building. He's on the phone calling from Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, Kevin is back on the podcast. Uh, he's been on here several times. We had some good episodes, you know, good laughs. Got a lot of feedback. When he's on the podcast, you know, he's just being himself, silly little guy. And uh, today we're going to discuss leadership styles and what we feel may or may not be considered borderline when it comes to requirements for the job, expectations. This has been an ongoing conversation me and him have had going back a few months now, and we definitely don't see eye to eye, but we wanted to record just to get other people's opinions, just to see what end of the spectrum, you know, the outside world stands on. So welcome to the podcast, Big Brother. What's going on? Not much. What's up, man? How you doing, listeners? It's Friday. It's payday. Hey, we're going to have fun today. So, like I said, the whole conversation is going to stem around different leadership qualities. And we're both in a position to where, you know, we have assumed the role of having something to do with, you know, leadership, uh, steering, you know, different teams in, in the right direction. And the conversations have come up in regards to what is considered to be overboard when it comes to monitoring how your workers perform their duties every day. So elaborate on your stance and we'll go from there. All right. Currently, um, I'm a manager. Uh, I have about 12 people that report to me. Um, my expectation is come to work, try to be on time. I understand things happen. We got kids, cars break down, all that kind of stuff. That's cool. Let me know. You know, don't wait till the last minute. When emergencies do happen, we can work around it. Just communicate. Um, do your job. Do it the right way. There, there are... Uh, SOPs, uh, for those who don't know, that's standard operation procedures put in place on pretty much every job around the country. Like, there's a certain way to do it. I understand that there's, you can take some shortcuts, but we want to kind of stay within the guidelines of, of uh, the standard operation procedures. And you do your job, you don't hear from me. You know what I'm saying? The only time you, you see me is if I'm coming in and I'm, I'm doing an audit or or uh, some type of evaluation on your performance or something. Other than that, I don't bother my employees that work for me. Now, once we get into, I'm getting phone calls, they're not doing this, they're not doing that, then you're going to see me often because I, I'm the type of person where... I don't want nothing negative associated with me and my business. Um, I developed a, a culture with my current boss to where I may talk to him every four to six weeks. He mentioned in my last evaluation, like, I know it seems like you don't ever talk to me, but I don't bother you because I know you're out handling business. I know your team is out handling business. And that's how I treat my team. As long as they're doing what they're supposed to do, I don't bother. I don't mess with them. And that's, and that's fair. That's fair. And I guess 
just to elaborate a little further on our disagreements is I consider him to be strictly by the book. Is that a fair assessment? You kind of alluded to that with your, you know, standard operations, whatever you just said, right? I'm, I'm not a hundred percent strictly by the book, but when it comes to, um, we have my current job, we have a, a tracker for attendance. We have, we have to get on like a, a every morning, especially since COVID, since COVID's happened every morning, we got to report if anybody called in, called out why if they had a fever there's a, a certain thing you have to do or certain people you have to call if there's something this minor you know nothing dealing with covid then it's whatever but if they call out it's being tracked by upper management because we have to report that out and so not only that they they should know by us making that call daily who's in who's out so we have a tracker for attendance so that my tracker should match what I report in every morning. You know what I'm saying? So as far as that, yes, that's by the book because I know leaders are looking daily at who's coming to work and who's not. Take a few shortcuts here to make something work. I can live with that. Okay, I'm cool with that. Things that I know others can view and can cross-reference and be like, hey, this don't match up. That's gonna be hundred percent by the book. No problem. And I don't I don't wanna use the word shortcut because I I think that's unprofessional. There there's there's no shortcuts. It's I view it from either A, you're coming in doing what you gotta do, or B, you're coming in and you're going above and beyond what it is that you're required to do. And my position on this is you have to have the correct work environment. What people don't understand is there's outside factors prior to you coming into work that may or may not impact your life. If I got a stressful situation going on at home and then I come into work to an even more stressful situation, then that's going to have an impact on my performance. That's going to determine whether or not I'm going to go above and beyond. Because sometimes leaving home and going to work is an escape from your at-home problems. But then you come under a certain leader and they're not displaying what I consider to be proper leadership qualities. Then that makes the work environment even more stressful. And I like the saying, I've seen this on social media somewhere, it's like, Good people leave jobs, not because of the job, but because of the leadership. All it takes is the wrong type of leader to create a negative environment and it will discourage all of his or her employees and make them not want to work for that company anymore. So I'm saying that I always take that in consideration. I always have that in the back of my mind because some days people just, you know what? I just don't feel like it. I don't, today's just one of them days. I'm not in the mood, whatever. And I feel like as a leader, you have to keep that in the back of your mind. Now, once it gets to a point to where people are taking advantage of you and uh, maybe abusing the system, then that's when you have to, put your foot down or be more firm. But as long as you create a work environment, I'm not going to say that's all the way laxed, but you create a work environment to where you have a bond and a relationship with your associates, then your associates are going to always go above and beyond because they enjoy working for a great leader. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I, and I think, you know, we are, we're on the podcast, you know, and I, I'll be, completely transparent and honest like that shit rubbed me the wrong way that day we had we had a conversation some some months back and you like nah you the type I want to work for I, I can't work for you and I'm like wait a minute hold up that's that's it, it, it ruffles some feathers in the sense of 
I, <laughs> I know personally that I, I do go above and beyond for the people that work for me. And I know that we have a good relationship and like, they know that, Hey, Kevin, um, X, Y, Z came up. Um, is there any way I can take the day off? Blah, blah, blah. You know what? Hey, let's see if you can call this person or that person, see if they can work for you. Well, no, they said they can't do it. Well, I tell you what, you know what? I don't got, I don't have nothing going on this weekend. Go ahead take that day and I'll work it for you. You do whatever with your family. I know, for instance, on one occasion, you was, uh, me and you were on the game or something, and I had a call. And that guy, he had already asked all for, I think he had a wedding or, or engagement party, something. And then there was something else, but all this was all in the same week. He wanted to vote. He wanted to go help with the voting register voters or do something like that. But then he also had something else with his wife or engagement party. It's the same week. He's asking for a favor. And I'm like, all right, I can't accommodate both. You pick one, I'll accommodate one of them. So which, which one is more important to you? Do you want to go help register voters or do you want to do something with your wife and the family or whatever on the weekend? You make that choice, but you pick one. I can't accommodate both. I don't have the manpower to do that this particular week. And I think we, we had some back and forth about that. Of course. And that's why, and that's where here comes the first, I respectfully disagree because I'm saying to you that I get in the merchandising world or whatever, you, you have to account for hands on deck when you're talking about, uh, you know, servicing different stores and stuff like that. You have to account for that. I'll use when I used to work on the phones as an example, every day, we had a team where their job is just to keep up with how many calls come in on a day-to-day basis. They keep a record of that for the entire year and they break it down for each month throughout the year. And then for the year that's coming up, they'll know that, hey, our highest call volume is in January. It's a new year or it's around open enrollment. So we need all hands on deck for this month, that month, and we're telling y'all now that uh, requests to be off are going to be slim to none. Most of them are going to be denied unless it's just some dire emergency. So during this period, don't even ask. So with that being said, and you know for yourself, I couldn't stand going in there answering those calls. I could not stand it. Like it was so many days where I come out of there ready to cry because I hated answering those calls. But at the end of the day, I did what I had to do for my family and I endured that whole process. And here I am on the other side. But I'm saying to you, at the end of the day, in my opinion, I feel that everybody deserves what I consider to be a a mental break. Hit the reset button. And if we all have that ability to say, you know what, man, I today, one of them days, I just I need to hit the reset button. Then not only does it create a better work environment, but you have more productive associates. Again, that's just my opinion. So going back to what you were saying, I feel like giving somebody an ultimatum creates a negative reaction. I would have reacted negatively to that. I shouldn't have to decide on what's important, a family function or me volunteering to go so, vote, to so help with the my, voting. This is my respectfully disagree. It, it wasn't a me, I work ahead. They know their schedule two weeks in advance. Two weeks prior to that, he had a schedule of where he was and where he was supposed to be. He called me on a Saturday asking the upcoming Tuesday and Friday to have these days off. That's last minute. If you knew ahead of time, you should have told me. My team knows I plan ahead. That's last minute. So that's why it's an ultimatum because we're already in this work week of this schedule and you're asking for two off days in this work week. I can't accommodate two. 
I can only move around enough pieces to make one work. I can't make it work both days. So that's why I'm saying if it's important to you, you pick which one's important. Now, if you would have told me three weeks in advance, a couple weeks in advance, maybe even a whole week in advance, I would have had enough time to redo my schedule. Hey, man, such and such got this going on. I'm moving you to this day, this day. Other people got enough time because they have to make changes in their life, too. They got families. They got kids. They got things going on. So that's why I require with vacations, most of them get like three weeks a year. I got some guys that got five and six weeks because they've been with companies so long. So what I do in January for the ones with six weeks, I say, hey, man, I want you to pick out four weeks throughout the calendar year that you know for sure that you're going to use a vacation. I'm going to give you two other weeks that you can kind of flex and do what you want. The ones with three, two weeks, you need to pick out a vacation. The other week, we kind of flex. You can use it whenever you want, and we can make it work. That way, because when you technically look at it, I got X amount of associates. At the end of the day, most of that is more than 52 weeks. You know what I'm saying? I have a business I have to run. I have to have so many bodies. I got so many accounts. I got to account for that. That's not counting if somebody kid gets sick, if somebody car break down. That's going to be a whole new problem if that occurs during that work week. So that's why I'm so saying that, to you. That's why that was an ultimatum, because I'm actually doing you a favor. You've had your schedule. None of this was on the radar two weeks prior for me making the schedule. You come at me three days before and wanting this request. So that's why I'm saying I, thought I went above and beyond and gave you one. Most managers would have told you no. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I'm saying to you at the end of the day, from my perspective, he came to you being honest. Hey, I got a family function, but guess what? I also volunteered to help with the voting and, and, he easily could have called in that day. And you know what? He, he could have. And you know what? That probably would have been his best route because even with that, we're tracking it. I I kind of mentally know what happens, what's said. You get eight days of sick leave per calendar year. After eight days, that's when your points accumulate. I'm not going to ask you what happened. If you call me and say you sick, all right, you sick. We had, an, we had a conversation the other day or a couple weeks ago where a guy called out. I don't ask you, but he volunteered and told me some information of why he wanted or he was calling out or whatever. And I'm like, all right, cool. But then I thought about it. He said the same thing some months prior or a year prior. And it just, my thing is, I got respect for you. You work for me. I got respect for you. I'm not going to BS you. I'm going to keep it real with you. So I expect the same in return. Don't shoot me no BS. Just say, hey, I'm going to be out. I had another one. If you sick, that's fine. Hey, boss, uh, my kidney stopped working. I can't come to work today. Oh, damn. Hey, you all right? Are you at the hospital? No, I'm at home. I'll be at work tomorrow. I'll take a couple of Tylenol and I'll be at work. And I'm like, man, get off my phone. I hung up. Like, come on. Really? So see, so there we go. That's that's what I'm saying. But as a leader, hold on, hold on. I gave you the floor. As a leader, I'm saying to you, if his reasoning is not quote unquote justifiable to you, then it's man, get off my phone. Some people can't afford to go to the doctor. So they don't have no choice but to, you know what, I'm in pain, I'm hurting. I'm just going to pop these Tylenol and hope that it helps. I'll get up and try to come in tomorrow. But at this present moment in time, my kidneys hurt. My ribs hurt. Whatever you just said. He said they stopped working, Adrian. So at the end of the day, dog, trust me, I know people who went to go use the bathroom. It won't come out. They know they had to use it. They're trying to use it. It won't come out. Things like that occur. And that required this person to have to go to the emergency room and they found what the issue was and stuff like that. You're not going to know what happened to you until it happens. So I'm just saying, don't, so what, don't, I, I consider that a bunch of BS. Don't hit me with no BS. So that's so that, 
So that's why I'm saying to hey, you. Hey, look, let me say this. The same person. Hey, boss, I just blacked out and drove through a fence. Hey, ball, like a bunch of nonsense. So it. So at the end hey, of the I'm day. Today, I'm sick in the conversation. I'm for the document in my tracker. Once you reach your eight sick days, hey, man, I'll let you know. Hey, you already accumulated eight days of sick time for this calendar year. If you miss any other days from here, you're going to start to accumulate points, even with the doctor's note. Now, if you get sick and that you require a hospital or a doctor have you out for more than two days, then we can put you on short-term disability and then you don't have to worry about the points. But you need to make sure that you have your ducks in a row and that you have the proper documentation according to the policy and procedures of this company. So that's what I'm saying to you is like at, at some point in time, you have to have that. I, mean, I don't want to use the word leniency, but it's like you're talking about somebody who may or may not have health conditions. Now, if it gets to the point to where you feel like he or she may be abusing it with these excuses, then you know what? I need a doctor's note. I need something showing that you have some type of condition then we can start talking about short-term disability or how to reduce your workload or whatever. But if this is just, you know what, we're going to put you on short-term disability so it don't hurt my point count or my workload when I have to turn my numbers in, then I feel like, in my opinion, that's out of pocket. That's overstepping your leadership role. He shouldn't have to justify my kidneys stopped working to satisfy your level of approval. If he said, you know what, I'll pop some tile now, I'll be in tomorrow, see you tomorrow, if it were me. Now, you call in tomorrow, man, my kidney's still hurting. Hey, man, you might have to go to the doctor, get that looked at. We need a note to help cover you for yesterday and today. But it, it should never be no man. Get the hell off my phone! <laughs> you you laughing at the man? Of course, I know that part. I know that part. But I'm saying to you, it's like as a leader, you have to take in consideration that some days people may roll over and just be like, you know what? I don't feel like going. And that's fine. Just don't come at me with no. And I, I thought I made that clear when I took over the position, like. Look, I'm a straight shooter. Just be real. Don't come at me with no BS. I'm not going to BS you. Don't shoot me no BS. If I feel like that, I feel that way when I feel like it's some BS. You didn't have to tell me that your kidneys stopped working. Hey, boss, I don't feel good today. I can't come in. All right, cool. We'll work it out. I documented. Conversation done. Don't tell me you drove through a fence in your car, <laughs> but then you come to work in your car the next day. Like, No. It might have been a little small wire fence, man. Who knows? Who knows? If you drove through the fence, it might have startled him. Blood pressure up. Who knows? But going back to the kidney thing real quick, because that ain't no joke. True story. My wife gives birth to twins. You know what? Rewind it. Let's go all the way back to that. During the time that she was pregnant with twins, I was on those phones. I was taking those calls. And y'all heard me just say that. You had to be in a dire emergency to get a day off. And we're pregnant with twins. She goes into labor. At the time, we didn't have a maternity leave for males. So I was only approved for two days off. My wife gave, uh, gave birth to twins. I was approved for two days off. I'm pissed. Okay? Pissed. Extremely pissed. What the hell can I accomplish in two days? So I'm saying to myself, like, dude, I need the job. So I can't just, you know what? I ain't going. I needed the job. But it shows you how crazy things are. I get up to go to work after my two days. And I'm making my lunch. I'm in the kitchen. And if anybody has ever had kidney stones, you can attest to this. I'm making a sandwich. And it felt like somebody just came and drop kicked me in my back. Like I fell to the ground out of nowhere, screaming throughout the whole house, screaming, came out of nowhere, 
had to get taken to the emergency room. I'm screaming and crying the whole way there. Like I have not felt no pain like that in a very long time. Come to find out I had kidney stones, had a kidney stone. So that wasn't planned. That wasn't expected. That was just random out the blue, got hit with, I don't know what. And that's what I'm saying to you. It's like, imagine me calling in like, look, man, my, my kidneys are hurting. I'm on my way to the hospital. And then somebody's like, man, get off my phone with that BS. Take in mind that I was already peed off because you only approved me for two days off. And my wife just gave birth to twins. So that's why I'm telling you, like me getting up, going to work every day was a dreadful experience. I didn't enjoy it. I only done it because I had no choice but to do it to help take care of my family. And I'm saying that as a leader for me, this is just my perspective. I don't perform well for drill sergeant leaders, leaders that stand over you, looking at you every 10 minutes. Man, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why y'all off the clock? Why y'all standing around talking? Why y'all doing this and doing that? Like, damn, we're going to get the shit done. Like, I don't need you to stand over my shoulder and watch me every move I make. If anything, that's going to have the opposite effect. That's going to make me not want to do the work. And that's why I said what I said when we had the conversation, because I'm like, in my opinion, again, if more people knew how to read and react to how their associates perform, it'll be a win win for both sides. And I just recently got a promotion. So uh, starting on the 24th, I'm going for my supervisor to a um, sales execution manager. So within this move, my territories are growing larger, but I'm losing a lot of territory. And so with this new business model, they're setting it up to where if people live close to the location of these stores, then that's the area that they're going to service. So by them changing up some of the locations, I'm going to lose about six guys that are currently reporting to me. They're going to have to report to somebody else. And so um, I've had all of them. Man, there's no way I, I can't come work for you. Do I really got to go to these people? I like your style. So I, I like to think I'm doing a good job. And again, that's where our original conversation comes about. I don't want to work for you. And I want to be like, hey, call my damn brother and let this know that I'm, that I'm a good boss. That y'all, y'all don't want, you can't see yourself with nobody else but me. Cause he's seen the thing. I'm this asshole. what you call it? Drill sergeant. And major pain, major pain is who you are. <laughs> major pain. And at the end of the day, nobody's telling you that, that you're a bad leader. All I'm saying is people respond to different leadership styles. And that's what the whole conversation is about. So I'm in a position now where I'm having to adjust again because I have a new leader. I'm just a team lead. So it's the leader, the team lead, then the associates. So I'm that middle person between the associates to the top at the leader. So my previous leader was more laxed, more friendly. You know what I'm saying? Like, it created a, a, a great work environment in terms of everybody got along. You know what I'm saying? Like we had fun. We definitely, you know, collabed with each other and it was no problem. There was no friction amongst the team. So now we have a new leader and I don't I don't know her well enough to gauge how she is. But in comparison to what we just left from, it's like you see the difference. So you have to adapt and adjust to those leadership qualities, leadership styles. But at the end of the day, again, I just feel like there's a cause and effect. Certain people respond a, di a certain way. And that's the same as as raising kids. Some kids, you can look at them and just talk to them and be like, look, don't do that no more. And they hear you. Some kids, you might have to threaten them. You do it again. I'm going to bust your butt. Then the, the last option is, guess what? These kids don't listen. They ain't going to pay you no mind. So now I'm going to have to show you better than I can tell you. But you have to be able to adapt and know what your kids 
respond to because not all methods of parenting require the same action. Does that make sense? Yes, no, maybe so. It does. It does. So that's what I'm saying to you. I, and that's just my approach. I'm going to approach work no different than I approach home. If I have to talk to my, my three children the same way, I know all three of them are going to react differently and it's not going to work. So I have to adjust to all three of my children and what ways I know will get through to them to cause them to stop doing whatever it is that I want them to do or encourage them to do what I need them to do. In my opinion, work should be no different. And if it's my way or the highway, then I just that's me. I, I can't I can't work under those conditions. Now see, they I get to that point when I have a someone is not following the proper procedure and then we keep having the same conversation multiple times. Like, I don't start out with writing them up. We sit down, we have a discussion. And actually, I don't have the initial discussion. I actually send my lead. Hey, such and such, uh, we're having this problem with uh, performance, blah, blah, blah. Go over there, coach, guide them, show them the right way, blah, blah, blah. Figure out why they're doing it this way and show them the right way. A few weeks later, we still got the problem. All right, dude, now I got to come in. Hey, what's going on? Why are we doing this? Didn't David talk to you? Didn't such and such talk to you? Okay, blah, 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 blah. Why are we still doing this? A few weeks later, again, so then it gets, I'm going to document one more time. So now we own two trackers. The next time, hey, man, we still got a problem. So now it goes from trackers to I'm submitting this to HR because apparently you you not getting getting the picture. Again, I don't feel like I'm major pain. I, I, I try to hear out what's going on. I even inquire about family life. Hey, how's your kids? How's your, how's your wife? How's things going with the family? Like, I try to relate to them because I know what type of managers I've had in the past. And I know that I, there's been situations where, like, my kids have been sick or something, and I had to take off. And, you know, nobody nobody cares. They, they treat you like a, like a number. Here, this is all you're good for. So... I try to have a good relationship with all the people that work for me. Hey, man, you just had a baby. Hey, how's the baby doing? You what, about three months now? You know, is she doing this? Is she doing that? I try to build a relationship to where everybody enjoys coming to work and everybody enjoys working for me because I, I don't feel that I am that, that drill sergeant. I'm a drill sergeant when you're not doing what you're supposed to because I feel that that the climate today, my disciplinary actions may not be the same as others. So in order to even go down that road, we're not going to mess up. We're going to try to be as perfect as we can. Every now and then, some things may happen, but it don't go past my level. And that's, and that's perfect that you said that because you literally used the word perfect. And in my conversations with you, I've said to you, nothing is perfect. It's never going to be by the book and a great leader has to take that in consideration because you can't control all the variables. I heard you say earlier that you try to plan ahead or you plan out your, your, your make the associates plan out their vacations ahead of time. You you roll in in January and like, look, you got five weeks. I need you to pick which five weeks you want. That would be extremely difficult for me unless I, I know that. Five. I said three out of five. How many ever? Two flex. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I let you flex one, but we got to get something right. You, you have to have a business plan. We have a business that we have to run. I have to have X, Y, this many bodies on this day. This man, I know with my, the way my schedule is set up now, I can tell you for a fact, on Sunday, I have to have at least six people to make my Sunday work. Monday, I have to have six people. Tuesday, in order to make Tuesday work, I got to have a minimum of eight. Wednesday, six. 
Thursday, I have to have nine. Thursday is my biggest day. I have to have nine bodies to make Thursday work. If I don't have nine bodies, I got a problem. Friday, six people. Saturday, eight to nine. I can make make it work with eight. So I know when I write my schedule, I'm writing it out for I have at least this many bodies on this day. I have in mind, if something happens, this is my backup if something happens to this one or that one. So I have a plan. That's why I have to plan ahead. And I mentioned again, with all the people that we have and all the vacations that they are entitled to, that's more than the 52 weeks in the calendar year. So if we can at least try to pinpoint half of what your vacations are, and then we can work around the other ones, then I can successfully have a, a plan in place for the year. And that way stuff gets done. Customers are not upset and everything flows smooth. So let me ask you this. Now, Hold uh, on. Let me ask you this. So say I pick my week. Uh -huh. You know what? I want the first week of June. Okay. But then whatever plans that I made for June don't go through. So I'm. it's the last week of uh, uh, May. And I'm like, look, man, uh, we ain't going to be able to go to Disney World this week. Something came up. I need to move it. Are they allowed to move it? Or you, nah, man, I already done plan for it. You off. Perfect. I got a perfect. Young man was getting married this year. Had a wedding date set this year. They decided they had a lot of family out the country. They can't come to the country because of the stuff Trump them done put in place. They canceled their wedding. Hey, boss, we're not getting married. I don't want to just be sitting around. Can I move my vacation? Of course. He came to work. He rescheduled later on during the year. I'm, I'm, I'm flexible. If we got enough time, we, we, I try to make it work. I'm not, I'm not a drill sergeant. I, I'm really not. It, it, it may sound like it when we're sitting there having a conversation and I'm pissed off and I'm venting about whatever just occurred or someone just called in because now I got to scramble and, and figure out how to make it work. But at the end of the day, we made it work. So in other words, going through that stuff with mom, man, you know, I spent a lot of time in Kentucky between August and January. And I got a, my team is so great. The, the one I currently have, but I got maybe two upset customer calls between August and January. I pretty much ran my program from Kentucky the whole time I was there. And that's how I feel that I'm not a drill sergeant. I'm not there. I wasn't there for two months. But everything still ran smooth. We have no issues. Yeah, because you are a drill sergeant. They scared to mess up. <laughs> <laughs> they scared to mess up. And nope, and again, I just make sure you hear me loud and clear. Nobody is saying that being a drill sergeant is always a negative thing. I'm saying to you that not everybody responds well to that type of leadership. And a good leader is able to identify that and adjust accordingly. It's never, I'm set in my ways. This is my way of doing it. This is how I run my team. And if you don't like it, leave or or get your own team and you can lead them how you want to lead them. To me, in my opinion, that's not a good leader. You have to be able to accommodate all the different personalities, all the different styles that are under you. So if somebody works at a slower pace, then I'm not going to give them one of the biggest stores in our area. You know what? Here, I'll give them a couple smaller ones. So that way, maybe they'll knock out two before they would have knocked out this one big one. Because I know this person, hey, their kidneys is bad. They, they can't lift. They can't do this and do that. Accommodate them that way versus, look, I'm putting you in this big old store. You need to get it done or else it's consequences. That ain't how that should work. Again, it's just my opinion. And I think things will work a whole lot smoother. And in my experience with work, I've been under all different type of leaders. I've had those ones that just stand over you. 
Why ain't this that way? Why ain't that this way? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And I will admit that that made me even more. Uh, man, I ain't doing it. <laughs> I'm going to find a reason to to cause conflict because this is what you it's what you're looking for. Obviously, you standing over everybody just so you can put everything under a microscope to find all the little flaws and what, what it is that they're not doing versus acknowledging everybody for coming into work today, coming in on time and you're here to do your job and you're doing it. Now, like I said earlier, if, if you're abusing the point system or if you come in every day and you socializing, fraternizing with your workers and this and that, then I have every right to stand over your shoulder because you don't make me feel like I can't trust you. And you know for yourself some of your previous places and things that you've done. So you you've seen the best of both worlds. Keep it all the way gangster. And that's why I feel like somebody that has worked their way from the bottom to the top. You would be more laxed because you you know the environment of your fellow associates. You worked with everybody who works for you now. Is that fair? That is correct. So at the end of the day, you you hear the complaints, you hear all the problems and stuff that they had with previous leadership. So that gives you the upper leg to me. At least it would for me. That would give me the upper leg because I'm like, I already know how such and such works. I know how such and such really feels. So now that I'm in this position, guess what? I'm here to help accommodate you, but also realize you can't take advantage of me. Hey, go go read some of them. Uh Go read some of them Facebook comments on, on my posts from work. A lot of them guys, they are, they're responding. And that should, that should clear up the conversation that we have. So at the end of the day, you just, you trying to make yourself feel better. You ain't got to prove no point to me. But what you're saying, like everything is set up smooth. Everything that you said, the slower people, I got them on those smaller routes. My faster people, they're in the bigger, like, we doing all that already. That's All that's been taken into consideration. Again, I did come from the bottom. I did know that uh, communication was not that great between uh, supervisor level and, and employee level and upper management and this things. I've tried to close those gaps. All the problems that I said, man, if I was in charge, I would do this. I feel that I, I I think it's been done. The only problems that I'm having are just the ones who just just not falling in line with the the way that the ship is moving. They wanna they wanna go a different direction. And and, and, and that's fair. That we gotta part ways. And that and that's fair. And that's why I say we ain't gonna keep it keep it going long because we just kind of dancing in circles. But that's why I'm saying to you in regards to the requirements and the expectations. It's like, I know every day what is expected of me. I know that in a, I'll go back to on the calls. Every day I had to maintain uh, X amount of calls per hour. So you had some people who hit that number. It was just enough. You had some people who exceeded that number. And then you had some people who didn't even get close to it. So it's like, I told you before, if I got somebody just standing over me on me all the time, I have no desire to go above and beyond I'm not doing it because at the end of the day, I'm just a number. Like you said earlier, I'm just a number. I'm, I'm not no CEO. I don't have the, the, the options to, let people go or hire people and this and that. So at the end of the day, if, if I were to be removed, guess what? My seat will be filled within the next two or three weeks. So if I have a place of employment where they don't value my efforts, they don't accommodate me when I'm like, you know what, man, I want to take my family somewhere. My wife just had twins. Then that's just bad for business all the way around. So not only do you have a disgruntled employee, you have somebody that's not willing to go above and beyond, which impacts and affects the entire company. So who does that fall back on? Is that a piss poor worker or is that bad leadership? It depends. It depends. 
Elaborate and then we'll get off here. I'm saying it depends because what you think may not be a good leader, may not, it may just be your opinion. It's all opinionated. It's all opinionated at the end of the day. Unless somebody can come in and give the perfect example of the perfect leader, it's all opinionated. And I mean, I mean, we all, we're not perfect. We fall short. And we, you know, you drop the ball sometimes, but I mean, I own up to it. I just told you yesterday, I, I made a mistake on something. <laughs> I own up to my mistake. Which is what I found to be hilarious because I'm saying to you, you just said earlier, you used the word perfect. You are by the book. You are standing, I ain't going to say standing over people because I don't know how you monitor them or whatever, but it's like there's very few uh, there's there's not a lot of wiggle room for error. Is that fair? I mean, it's and there there is. How do I put this? Oh, okay, so I'm in the I'm in the beverage business. So not only do we expect the beverages to be on the shelf, we expect it to be presentable for the customers to entice the customers to buy. So I want it on the shelf, but I also want it presentable. I want it in brand flow. I want it in, you know what I'm saying? Not just thrown out and just looking all funky. You want everything fronted and faced. I know. I used to work in the grocery right. store. I know. I know. So, you know, just because you come in and it's on the shelf, but then you got it looking all crazy on the shelf, packages turned sideways, the label is not out, it will be a situation like, hey, man, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, all the, all the labels are facing out. You know, you want to do this, you want to do that. So it's not, I don't consider that over somebody's shoulders. That is, we're making our product presentable and looking fresh. You know, the packaging looking all torn or rack, don't put that on the shelf. We can either uh, repack it, but don't put it out. Would you buy that as a consumer? You see it all ripped and looking all funky or been wet. You know, sometimes the, the way the trucks are, if there's a big fog, you get a lot of condensation on the product. So the 12-packs are all wet. Don't put that on the shelf. Repack that stuff. You as a consumer, would you come in and buy that? No. So why would you expect somebody else to buy it? And if they're not going to buy it, then that's a sale that we lost. If we lose a sale, that impacts us at the end of the year. At the end of the year, if we don't reach a number, then that impacts us again when it comes to bonuses and, it, and when it comes to raises. We're not going to get a raise because we didn't meet our number. But if we did do good, you're going to get a nice raise. They all play hand in hand. And, so it, and it makes perfect right sense. Get go. Then at the end of the day, we're all going to be rewarded. And at the end of the day, it makes sense. But that's that corporate talk. That's that boardroom talk, in my opinion. Like you're, you're speaking in the perspective of somebody who's only concerned about sales, profits. And these sales and profits that you speak of are not going into your pockets directly per se. They're going into somebody that's above you, above that person and above that person's pocket. So going back to the wet damaged product or whatever the case may be, it may have been one of them days where, you know what, man, I just, I ain't in the mood. I don't feel like it. I'm putting it on the shelf. Here it is. Or who's to say that somebody might have came in after they filled the shelves and spilled something on it? Again, those are variables that are out of your control. You are correct. But in most cases, if the product came in wet and damaged, it's going to be a whole shelf of wet and damage. I I can know I'll know the difference. It ain't gonna be just two cases. So if I look and saw two cases wet and damaged, of course something spilled, something happened. But if I look at the whole row and because the whole pallet would have been damaged, you see what I'm saying? It wouldn't have just been a couple. It would have been the whole thing. So the whole shelf is wet. So that's when it falls back on expectations and actual requirements because. The requirement is when the truck come, you got to fill the shelf. Now, the expectation to you may be, look, 
the truck came, look at the product before you put it out on the shelf, determine if anything is messed up and isn't that. And if you wouldn't buy it, don't put it out there. So now you telling somebody because that is in your training as a merchandiser. They speak about the product, freshness, how it should look on the shelf. That ain't expectation. That's your job. And it's covered in the training when you become a merchandiser. So that's what I'm saying to you. And we can leave it alone. At the end of the day, if somebody just, you know what? I ain't in the mood. Then guess what? They wasn't in the mood. Now, if that becomes a habit, you have to face the consequences for it. But at the end of the day, your 110% may be 98% for me. Everybody may not move or be excited as you are. You enjoy your job. You enjoy uh, being a member of the, the, the beverage industry. So you don't have a problem waking up doing all that because you don't have to go load them cases and and service them shelves as much anymore. So your perspective when you roll out of the bed is different. I just shared a meme two days ago, I believe. It was like when you wake up, uh, what did it say? Most people get up out the bed and they're excited, energized, ready to go to work. But then you got those people where they just roll over when that alarm clock go off. And the first thing out of their mouth is F. Here we go again. Here we go again. And it's like, that's when you got to start doing some self-evaluations. And it's like, are you going to a job because you have no choice to, to go? You don't have no choice but to go. Or are you going somewhere where you actually enjoy being there? And that's why I'm saying to you, the leadership style plays an a important factor in that. Because if I were to listen to my instincts and got off them phones and quit, then I don't know where I would be at now. But here I am now, a few years later, in a position where I'm cool. I don't have no problem. I don't complain. I don't gripe about my job no more. I do everything that's required of me. The same bonuses that you spoke of earlier, I qualify for them. I get them. So it's just a, a difference in opinion. <sighs> I'll tell you something else that we, <laughs> that we had talked about. And uh, I actually just had a conversation with a gentleman the, just the other day. And um, <laughs> it's mighty funny. Um, we were talking about hiring. And remember, I made a comment to you. I was like, honestly, I don't want to hire nobody that don't have no responsibilities. Like, I'm in a, in a business where I want people who have those families, have something that they want to work for. Not somebody young that been partying all night and can, that lives in mom and dad's basement. And if they got a job or not, it don't matter. I want someone, this is a company where you can grow. You come in, you don't have to start out or keep doing manual labor. I'm an example. Like I started out doing night pools for about two or three years. And now I'm in a, in a manager's role. If you got ambitions, there's room for you to grow within the company. But if you're just one of those young people that just, ah, we've had those on other teams. And I'm like, I don't want that. That's the headache because they live with mom and daddy. They have something to fall back on. They, they, they don't get to experience life or if they don't get a paycheck, they're going to be all right. Whereas Johnny, he's got a wife, he's got two kids, he needs his paycheck. You know what I'm saying? You want somebody? I know what you're saying, and again, I respectfully disagree. So you just open a whole nother can of worms, and we'll we'll elaborate on that real quick. And I'm not gonna use the word discrimination, but it's borderline. Because at the end of the day, going back to that young kid that goes out and parties or live with mom and dad. That may be his first job or her first job. And their sole purpose is only to enter the workforce to get a feel for it. It may not be for them to say, you know what, I'm trying to build a career here. I'm just here to, you know what, try to learn some of this responsibility, understand uh, waking up every day, 
going to do something and then you get a, a paycheck for it at the end. Not everybody's looking for a 20 plus year career. So you can't say that. You, so, okay, so you got a list of people that you are interviewing. You bring in five, six people. So you mean to tell me it's discrimination if I decide to hire the person that I feel is best fit for my business and the business model that I give to my team and the goals that I set for my team? That's discrimination because I want to hire the right person during that interview that I felt fits the criteria. You just listed the criteria that has nothing to do with the ability to do the job. You start talking about somebody who has responsibilities and has families versus somebody that's young and go out and party all night with fear of, you know what, boss, I was out all night. I got a hangover. I ain't coming. So at the end of the day, that is discrimination because you're trying to use outside variables to determine whether or not this person may or may not be able to do the job. You can't do that. I guess that's where we where we disagree. But that's what I'm saying to you as a person that's in upper management or whatever. And, and these are the factors that people are faced with every single day. You just look at somebody and you know what? They don't qualify. They don't fit. It's, it's not just but what I'm saying to you is... But but no, I'm I'm only going by what you said. How can you go into an interview and look at somebody and know that they young and go out and party all the time? Nobody's having that conversation in no interview. So you're well, looking at them you and you're making resume, that predetermination. You have, you have a resume. And if I see that you was at this place, this place, this place, this place, this place, this place, and then now you're here, that, that's a pattern, right? You that's discrimination. What do you mean that's discrimination? No! If you from job to job on your resume, and you done been to six different jobs in the last two years, but then I got Johnny over here, who was at X job, he was at Walmart for eight years, but they cut back on cashiers because they're doing more self-checkout. Am I going to hire Johnny, who was at eight years, or am I going to hire Billy, who's had seven jobs in two years. So at the end of the day, you're looking at a piece of paper to make a determination without even knowing if either one of them were great at what they've done. I can have six jobs and be great at all of them. They just wasn't the job that I wanted. I could be a cashier at Walmart for eight years and messed up on all the, all my drawers come up short every day for eight years. They don't mean nothing. That don't mean nothing at all. And that's why I'm saying to you, and again, it's it all circles back around to leadership qualities and understanding the actual person, not the piece of paper that they had to fill out in order to get this job. Because half the time people lie on applications anyway. So if I see that somebody had a job and quit and then had another job and quit, the first thing that I'm going to do is like, look, man, I, I see, you know, You've been kind of jumping around. What happened? What's going on? Hey, you know, it was just, I didn't like it. Again, going back to somebody that's young, uh, I, I can't do anything but use myself as an example. Freshman year, UK, I couldn't, I didn't have a car. I couldn't stay in Lexington. I had to move back home. Every summer, I had to move back home. Every summer, I got a summer job. I had no intentions on staying at, at Pilgrim's Pride. So at the end of the day, I already knew that that was just two or three months that I was going to be here. And after that, I'm gone. That's just me doing whatever I had to do to have some extra money to keep in my pocket. I wasn't looking for no career. I wasn't looking for no nothing like that. So somebody young applying for Coke is just, hey, this might just be something for me to do for the moment. Everybody might not be enthused to say, I want to build a career here, such as yourself. Crickets, maybe. So that's what I'm saying. You already trying to use variables to to push people out. And I honestly and I didn't mean it to turn into no kind of lecture about how to. No, let me finish, leader. You got to let me finish, leader. Leader. And then you're going to make the best decision based off all the factors in front of it. I'm saying to and you, I wasn't trying to make it a lecture about the world and how the world works. 
But I'm just saying you're giving an example of what happens on a day to day basis, regardless of the place of employment. You look at an application, you look at the person and you make a predetermination without even understanding who is actually fit for the job. That happens every day. You set yourself up for that. Like you literally like when you listen to this on the playback, you're going to hear what what actually it sounds like. That's discrimination. <laughs> well, we're going to make sure you, you you don't get sued. At the end of the day, it's just conversation. I tell you what, the last person that I interviewed and I hired had about six other men interviewed for this job. I had a female interview for the job. I personally used to see this female working for another company when I was a first I saw her pulling these pallets, huge pallets. I'm like, man, this girl's strong, you know. I saw she switched from like the beer company, she moved over to the chip company, Frito Lane. I was going in at two o'clock in the morning to make sure my stuff is done at a, you know, a good time. I can move on to my next route. Guess who's in the store at two o'clock in the morning with me? This same female that I seen with the beer people. So I'm like, damn, hey, what's going on? What you doing? Oh, I just want to make sure, blah, 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 blah. She's got the same mind frame that I got. And she's going above and beyond to make sure everything's perfect with her job. So at the end of the day, she said, you know what? I'm going to hire this girl because I know she's got a strong work ethic. I know she's she's in it. She wants to make money, but she also wants to move up. Because I had asked her, why, well, why'd you leave the brick? Well, hey, they weren't paying me enough. I got kids, I got this, I got that. Bring away off of me a little bit more money. Yada, yada, yada. Like, oh, okay. So then when I made the offer, it was kind of like, she said, well, hey, such and such, well, they offered me like 50 cents more. I'm like, okay, if you think about it, if you go to them, that's all you're going to make. You're going to make the 50 cents more. You come work for me, you got knowledge, you got other benefits that are greater than that. You get a little overtime, at the end of the day, you'll make more money. So she's come to work for me. I had it for a year. In the year that she's worked for me, she is probably the second or third best merchandise that I have on my team today. And she's been with our company for a, little, a year and maybe a month. I got some guys in that 20 here, and she'll run circles around. So it's, it's about, again, trying to evaluate, put all the resume questions, ask about different things and put that in the best perspective to hire the best person for what you're trying to do with your job and your employees. So, you know, so, you know, that example you just gave Kevin Durant, that's how they recruited Blake Griffin and James Harden and everything else. You was able to make that determination because you physically saw them working. That's not going to apply for anybody else. So that's an outlier. You were able to say, you know what? I already know this person is a great worker, a determined worker. You use the phrase thinks like I think. So that was a no brainer. But somebody who is applying, you've never seen them before. You don't know them. All I'm saying to you is you can't make a predetermination off of a piece of paper. That's it. So Kevin Durant. Out here recruiting and stealing people from free to lay. Um, <laughs> good conversation, man. Good conversation. And at the end of the day, hard work pays off. That's something that I'll always, uh, I tell my kids that. Hard work pays off. I have a phrase in my home. I tell them, there's nothing in this world that you can't have as long as you work for it. So nobody's saying that the way you uh, monitor or control your associates is wrong or bad. It's just everybody has different leadership styles and, and people respond to different leadership styles in different ways. That's all. Yeah, I don't have to fire your black ass. You wouldn't have to worry about firing me because as Dave Chappelle said, I quit. 
<laughs> I quit. I quit. I'm out of here. I was trash can getting kicked over and everything. No, you done told me my kidneys done shut down and my kidney don't my kidney don't work. You gonna tell me come in anyway. I didn't tell him to come in. I said, come I asked him, was he at the hospital? Because I'm concerned. My like, kidney don't kidneys, work. You should, you should be in, in the doctor's care. Man, kidney shut down, dog. You talking about put a little Dr. Pepper on it. <laughs> so it's all good, man. Good conversation, man. Yeah, because look, he can wear some Dr. Pepper shoes. They get some Air Force Ones. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Oh, uh, man, you know what? That might have been my incentive to work hard. You know what? Put me on, man. Give me some of them exclusives. You know the with the Dr. Pepper logo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Look, that's the incentive right now. <laughs> if they finish out the end of this uh, this month at, uh, what is it, 6.7% growth, they can get a pair of Pegasus or the, uh, what was it, the Air Force One. Got these people out here working hard. Working hard for some Air Forces. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm out of here, dog. All right, man. Leo ass toasted. No competition. Amisha toasted. Yeah. I feel so high. I feel so live. My body's in the twine. Amisha toasted. I feel so live. And I know why. That I can't deny. Wish me